0: Hi, and welcome back to the Teach for the Heart podcast. I'm your host, Linda Cardamus, and we're here to give you the ideas and inspiration you need to overcome your teaching challenges and make a lasting difference in your students' hearts and lives. Today, I'm excited to bring you an episode, a conversation with one of our team members, Taryn, about how to create a welcoming, inclusive, diverse classroom environment. Lots of practical tips heading your way. But before we get to that, this episode has been sponsored by providentialliving.org. They have some wonderful devotional resources and lesson plans that they'd like to share with you. You know, we've all realized how much we need God more than ever in the midst of the pandemic on top of all of the regular daily struggles. So if we recognize how often we need him, imagine how often our teens do as well. So that's where providentialliving.org comes in. They have taken the book, Guy's Guide to God, Girls, and the Phone in Your Pocket. This is a devotional for boys by Jonathan McKee, and they're providing customized lesson plans that will keep the average boy's attention peaked. They provide links to videos that centralize itself with the daily devotions theme, along with digital and hard copy worksheets to help them reflect on what they've learned. So don't wait. Sign up to get your two weeks lesson plan free preview of the guy's guide to God, girls and the phone in your pocket at providentialliving.org. Once again, that's providentialliving.org. Thanks again to ProvidentialLiving.org for sponsoring this episode. And I'm excited to get into our conversation with Taryn, one of our team members here at Teach for the Heart. Before we get into that, a little bit about Taryn. She has a master's degree in educational theater in colleges and communities from New York University. She's worked there as a teaching assistant and completed a practicum in East Africa. She later became a teaching artist where she worked as a performer, director, and visiting theater teacher in grades K through 12 before joining Teach for America becoming a high school theater teacher and an ELA teacher. She now teaches ESL online and is a member of our Teach for the Heart team. And she has so much to offer us. And I can't wait to share this conversation with you. Here we go. Hi welcome everyone. I'm so excited to talk today with Taryn Mangual. She is one of our team members here at Teach for the Heart and we're going to be talking about how to create a welcoming and an inclusive classroom environment. So Taryn, thank you so much for talking with us about this today. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Um, Let's start out before we get started. Do you mind introducing yourself to everyone real quick? Sure.
1: So yes, I am now a team member at Teach for the Hard. I've also worked in the classroom for four years um, full time. And I worked as a teaching artist where I used to bring theater programs into school where we focused on um, English and uh, public speaking, also social studies.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And we're so excited to have Taryn as part of our team here at Teach for the Heart. And she also brings so much knowledge and experience that we're excited to share with you today. And so um, Taryn and I have been having lots of conversations, you know, with everything going on lately. It's brought the issues of um, different race and culture and just the challenges we have in our country and I'm sure around the world world as well. It's brought that to the forefront. And we talked about a lot of things Um, a few weeks ago on our podcast. We shared a conversation with Monique um, and Taryn, where we kind of got into the the theory and talked about um, what role the gospel plays in all of this. But today, we really wanted to dive more into the practical aspect and talk about what does this look like in the classroom? What are some things you can do starting this week in your classroom, whether it's virtual or in person, uh, to help everyone feel welcome, included, and also to just help everybody learn about diverse cultures. And we're going to talk in just a minute about why this even matters. But before we get to that, Taryn, do you have anything to share just about like, like from personal experience of why this matters to you and why it should matter to everybody?
1: Yeah, I, well, originally I studied um, educational theater at um, New York University where it came to light uh, that classrooms weren't always being um, inclusive in their, their education practices. So um, going out into the world to be an educator, I had to be well aware of the different experiences that students were bringing into the room, and then how did my personal experience contribute to how I worked with students, how I taught, and then where could we meet in the middle? So also, I am uh, I used to be a minority student. I am a minority now, but as a student, it was important for me that certain things were acknowledged and things were different. Um, They're, they're different in our home lives. And when we come all together, it's, you know, for some of us, that's, you know, we're going out into the world and it's our first time interacting with people other than our family members, a lot of times. So things are brought up that it would be important as a teacher to kind of help navigate that maybe a little bit beyond even academics.
0: Yes. And one of the things that I'm learning and a lot of us are learning of just, just how important it is to try to understand other people's experience and to just recognize that not everyone has the same experience as you and the better we can understand each other, the better we can help and come up with good solutions and, and um, empathize and, and all of those important things. So thank you so much. Yeah, we are going to be talking. Taryn has put together an amazing list of things that we can do to create this welcoming, diverse, um, inclusive. When we say inclusive, we're not talking here. I, sometimes when people say inclusive classroom, they're talking about like mixing um, special ed and general ed. That's not exactly what we're talking about today. We're talking more about being inclusive for all races and cultures and like all different types of backgrounds and learners. Um, so before we get to that though, we did want to kind of talk about a common pushback that I hear. And I'll be honest, it's something I wrestled with myself a little bit. So I thought it would be kind of helpful to clear out this misconception or, or think through this together before we dive into the actual to-dos. And that is the question of, well, you know, Linda and Taryn, like what about, shouldn't we just be colorblind? Um, shouldn't we just treat everyone the same? Like doesn't bringing up, you know, race or culture, contribute to the problem? And I think this is like a very well-intentioned question because I've had the same question and it was with good intentions. Um, But I thought it'd be helpful to work through this. So we're kind of going to, Taryn and I talked through this ahead of time, we're going to kind of go through back and forth talking about this. But first... First thing I think we need to consider is what does it mean to be colorblind? And the reality is that there's kind of two different definitions of colorblind. Um, There's a dictionary definition, and then there's kind of a newer definition. So the older dictionary definition of colorblind um, is actually to be not influenced by differences of race or free from racial prejudice. So that definition, colorblind, is a good thing. But today, colorblind is kind of taking on, that term is taking on a newer definition, which is not seeing race or ignoring race. So I think the first thing to be aware of as teachers, if you've been using the phrase telling your students, hey, I'm colorblind, and you mean I'm free from racial prejudice, you need to know that your students aren't hearing that, right? Your students are hearing a lot of times the new definition, which means that they're hearing that you don't see them for who you are. And so that can be really hurtful for students. And so it's better I would recommend first of all not using that term. So do we want to be free from racial prejudice and partiality? Of course. Uh, do we want to ignore race though? That's a different question. Um, would do you have anything to add to that, Taryn, before we move into the next parts?
1: Yes, I think the idea, as you said, it's well-meaning. Some people also say, I don't see color. And it's true, you know, people have a color. And the thing is, the world does. So even if you as a teacher may say or may think, well, I'm treating everyone the same, one of the pushbacks to that is, well, we're really not the same as as human beings. We're definitely all equal in that sense and our sense of humanity But we all have differences and difference doesn't mean bad. So if you're acknowledging um, who I am as a person or in the classroom, um, being a student, it's actually validating my experiences. And and, um, you're validating, you're showing that it's of equal importance to if your experience is different than mine. It's equal. um, It's important. And it's also a positive thing. So if we are not, as Linda, you're saying, if we're not acknowledging at all, it can, we never know what the student could be absorbing, and it may not always be um, the way that we're intending, and it's not just us personally, but it's what we're experiencing and what they're hearing in the world at large, and as teachers, we're at a great advantage that we can counteract some of the things that are happening in our society or even what another student may be saying that may not be uh, a positive viewpoint.
0: Right, so if if there was no racism in the world, no racial bias in the world, then we, We could truly be colorblind, as it were, and we could just enjoy, you know, just it would be nothing more than a skin tone that we see and notice. But that isn't the reality. And so, because of that, um, there we, like you said, we have the opportunity to counteract that. So, we were talking about how, um, so, first of all, the definition of colorblind means different things. So, just be aware of that. Um, But then, why is it important to, you know, see color? Um, We're talking about many biases can result. From misunderstanding, can you can you talk a little bit about that and how you know, yeah, how biases can result from misunderstanding and how seeing how this is important to recognize?
1: Yeah, I think if you will talk to many adults uh, these days, some will say they had a really good experience as far as diversity is concerned, and some may have felt that everyone around them or pretty much you know most people around them were similar to them, so they didn't really need to learn about other people or interact with others. And some would feel like, oh, wow, there were not very many people like me. So they all have different experiences. You might also hear people say, well, I didn't learn much about race in school. And you'll have um, people saying, well, that's the family's role or family's thinking that that's the school roles. So the thing is, if we, um, we're learning about our environment anyway. So, if no one's talking about it, or we're not talking about it that much, and our experiences are different, that doesn't negate what's happening in the news or us coming up with our own conclusions, interacting with other people. Children are seeing more action. So even if the parents say, oh, we're all the same to the child, for example, but they're they're not really interacting with many people who are different than them or their interactions are not always positive, then the student could be absorbing that really we're not um, all the same. And whatever that comes up for them, could, could or may or may not be concerning, but we don't really know unless we're intentional. So it's very important that we're intentionally, um, by our actions and our words, showing the importance of every culture and um, the humanity within every group. Um, we also have, we also can't trust that positive things are being absorbed. So we do have the news. Uh, we do have certain television shows. And if we're just leaving it up to um, kids to come up with their own conclusions about how people are, that can be dangerous as well, because they may not have positive and negative of both. So it's just uh, important that we don't, it's great to assume the best, but and so far from what we see in our society, sometimes we just have to have more thought into what our students are learning in regards of, of race and diversity.
0: Yeah, thank you for all of this. And just to clarify a little bit, like what exactly we're talking about, we're going to be giving you suggestions such as diversifying your classroom library, celebrating, you know, heritage months of various cultures and stuff like that. And so that's why we're talking about this, because I know sometimes I'm just going to give like a personal example here. This is a little bit of an aside, but I just, I really want to connect with those of you that feel like this isn't necessary and try to help you think through why it is because this is something I've had to work through. Um, I'll give you like a personal example. Um, when I first started looking for stock photos for Teach for the Heart, I had this question of, you know, should I actively seek out minority photos or should I just use whatever photo and let the chips fall where they may, you know? And it was funny because at first I, it felt... It actually felt racist to seek out minority photos for me. For some reason, I know I think I did just have it in my mind that like, well, we shouldn't do anything based on race or color. You know, we should just, just pick whatever photo works. But then someone at some point made a comment to me about my photos always having white people in them, and I was like, well, that's not true. I could think of you know that that definitely wasn't true, but that was giving that impression, and it really made me think and reevaluate and realize what you said, Taryn, is that sometimes diversity doesn't happen unintentionally. Sometimes it only, because of just the way things are right now in our world, it it sometimes needs intentionality to happen. And like you said, there's, and there's misconceptions that if we don't actively engage with them, they can go unchallenged. And, and, and then, then the last thing that we were talking about is just, we miss out the opportunity to celebrate God's diversity. Um, so that's why I, I do think, I think I think there's a compelling argument to be made to not ignore race, to not try to not see it, but to engage with that. Do you have anything else to add, Taryn? I know we've talked about it a bit, but.
1: Yeah, I just, um, I want to kind of um, paint the picture of a student who may be sitting in a classroom and they're looking around at the walls or they're reading books and they're finding that, kind of everyone looks the same, and there are two different ways that that could um, develop. If everyone's looking the same, and they're not looking like that student, does that student then feel that, well, people, well, people like me don't write books, for example, or people like me haven't done um, these amazing things, or it's just um, why aren't, maybe they know that people like them have done it, but why aren't they here? I know of, other, you know, authors, I know of other great people who have made these accomplishments, why aren't their quotes on the wall? Uh, things like that. Uh, and if everyone does look like them, then, you know, that could be good because they make that connection. But it also could lead the false con- uh, connection that other people haven't contributed as much. So that's why intentionality is important because it really does give uh, value and weight to um all the diversity that have contributed to our society and then our students actually know that without assuming that they, they know that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's really helpful to just think through. And I think for, for some teachers that are listening to this that are, you know, that are white, you might, you might say, um, you know, I've never really thought, you know, these people look like me. These people don't look like me. That thought has never entered my mind. Um, But that doesn't mean that it's not in your students' minds. And so if it's in our students' minds, then we need to care about it. And we need to do what we can um, to uh, create that welcoming environment and that environment that teaches our students um, what we want them to understand about God's, the beautiful diversity God has given to us and the worth he's put into all of us. So Okay. I think that's enough. Uh, Hopefully we've convinced you. If not, we'd be happy to continue the conversation in the comments or in our Facebook group. Um, But let's dive into um, these seven things that we can do to create an inclusive, welcoming, diverse classroom environment. And Taryn, you said the first thing was diversifying classroom libraries and signs. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so um, when we're thinking about the books that are in our libraries, it's really important to um, kind of shift through and see who are the authors and who are the, the main characters or characters in the story. Also, what types of stories uh, are being told? So for example, if we're thinking about diversity, but we're only thinking about, for example, We'll take American history and then we look at slavery, for example, civil rights movement. And it's all about hardship. That's great to include those things. And then we can talk about it. We know those things, you know, existed. But what we want is to also have positive, uh, not that they weren't positive, but we want to have more celebratory things as well. Um, so maybe uh, inventors or Things of um, just just talk about a specific um, cultural experience or celebration, things like that. So we want to also just make sure. Yes, we're thro- we're adding people, not throwing in. We're adding people who are diverse, but we're also adding diverse experiences, and then that brings the humanity to it all. That there um, positive events that everyone has have. Um, experience, but there are also some negative things that we as a collective world or society have been able to push through, but it just kind of makes it people are people sort of thing. And the books, our world is diverse. So if our libraries reflect that as well, it just becomes Students are learning about everybody. And then when they're interacting with people in real life, they do have a frame of reference that's well-rounded. So that's what books can do. They're a great way. You may not be able to teach everything, but it's a great way for students to kind of pick things on their own or to see a variety of things. And then they may, you know, they'll learn a lot um, just from that. It may not ever come from you, but they're still learning.
0: Yeah, and this is a great way, like, once again, like, I think sometimes there's mis- this misconception that books about minority characters are for minority students. And sure, I mean, that's, that's great for them to see themselves in these books, but they're for, like, everybody can, be, I don't know, when you read a book about a certain culture, it transports you. you. You start to understand how how, you know, people in this culture or this environment or this situation or this time period think and, and consider, and you learn so much through stories and through books. And so yeah, that is just such a wonderful and relatively easy way to help bring that experience to life for all of our students. Do you have any recommendations for a teacher that's like, okay, I have like never thought about this before. Um, you know, I, I would have, I would have I don't know. Like, I just assumed if I get good books, it'll automatically be diverse. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of not. Like, any tips on where to start? There are definitely some uh,
1: awards that people have um, won based on their writing. So there's Coretta Scott King Awards, for example. If you're looking for African American books, there's Asian Pacific Awards out there. There are actually, um, I think it's. is it Perley? There is one for Hispanic uh, Americans as well. I'm sorry, I can't think of the name right um, off the
0: top. We can find it and link to it.
1: <laughs> There's some, um, there are a lot of awards. And actually, you can just look up um, specific cultures and groups and awarded books, for example. And then these books will come up if you want to start with what we're already um, kind of, Um, celebrate it as being good work, if you just want to start there. But you could also, uh, we're going to provide a book list, but there are so many more than what we could provide as well. But I would go there first. I would start with the awarded books, or I would um, do a search on grade level, of course, and and reading level. And um, you can put in diversity. Um, There is some social justice books out there. So you can also do a search there. But I would... I definitely target my search to say specific groups and then kind of diversify. And that way, it'll be easier. And the awarded ones are the, you know, the best way to go when you're starting from scratch.
0: Yeah. And we'll link to some books for you guys at teachfortheheart.com slash 152, um, teachfortheheart.com slash um, 152. We'll have um, some recommendations there. And I would imagine too, that this is, when you're realizing you want to fix this, sometimes there's pressure to fix it all like today. And that's probably not realistic. You'll probably get discouraged and not end up doing anything. So it's probably better to just say, hey, I'm gonna get a couple this year, couple next, you know, like just write, just make it a gradual thing that over time, it's something you're looking for. It's something you have an eye out for and make it a goal maybe that in three years, five years, your classroom library will look very different than it does now, would you say? It's kind of hard to...
1: (laughs) order a whole bunch of books at once. So yeah, gradual. And Linda, I think you also asked me about posters. Is that right? Oh, yes, that's right. So the posters are also another subtle way that you just say, you don't always have to make a a speech about diversity or anything like that, or may never really have to. As I said, students usually learn, as you know, through action uh, and what they see. So just diversify. If you have quotes or things like that, or images uh, around your classroom to make sure that they represent uh, Uh, different experiences as well that's also helpful you you don't have to gesture to them or mention them if you don't if you normally wouldn't but just the fact that they're there makes students feel um, comfortable because it just says that you know you're welcome and here and um, without you know having to say that the students will feel that if they see those images around
0: yeah I mean that's that's so cool that you share that because it's such a simple thing we can do, but I'll be honest, like, it's something that I think for a lot of us, it just never occurred to us, you know, because it's something we've never gone to a classroom and looked around and thought, you know, but it, if it matters to our students, it should matter to us. And it's such an easy thing to do. So that is awesome. Um, that's a great, a great suggestion. Okay. I think we're going to talk sometimes next about, oh, sometimes go ahead. They,
1: sometimes they zone out or they're looking around waiting. Yes. <laughs>
0: Yes, I mean we all read. I mean they're up for a long time typically. So you know they they, at some point in the year they all the students read all the signs. So that's a great way to incorporate um, all kinds of positive messages. But that but that's one. I mean mean, you're thinking. I mean there's all kinds of ways, right? I mean you can you can show diverse people in your pictures, but you you can have quotes from representatives of minorities. I I mean you could have directly um, positive messages. I mean this this can encompass a lot of things, right? Yes, for sure. Okay, awesome. All right, I think our next year we are going to talk about was choosing diverse books for read-aloud and assigned readings. Um, any thoughts on that?
1: This one, um, really the students are now hearing your voice. And usually when you have a read-aloud, you may comment on what you're reading. So you can actually direct the thinking or at least open the door for um, conversation more than if they're just reading on their own. So you can have a choice of what you want to cover or what you want to say. So read allows are typically shorter than um, an experience where an older child may have to be a student may go home and, and read different chapters and then discussion. But um, so you could be light with that, but you could still point out different things and ask their thoughts. You can then hear their thinking. Um, And for the chapter uh, reading and home reading and the you can uh, have the students really dive in a little bit more. And if you have the time, you can have all sorts of activities, whether it's just the writing or uh, a bigger Project surrounding those things, but either way, it's giving you um, an insight into their thinking. But it also gives you an opportunity to share your voice or your thoughts, or just simply hearing you read or knowing that you recommended it is important as well. You right, are, yeah. you know, most of the time they're mentor. Or they do respect what you have to say. So, kind of hearing just that it's something that you would have chosen can can be important for them.
0: Yeah. So this is obviously not all subjects have read alouds, but if you do have that as part of your classroom, once again, this is uh, the classroom library is a little more passive, but this is a little more active where you're actually choosing out a variety of books and and exposing the whole class to whatever experience or story that you're sharing. That makes so much sense. Okay. I think next number three, you had celebrate heritage months. Can you share a bit about that? This
1: one um, is my one of my favorites, and it could be the theater person in me. I just love the, the the I guess how grand you can be with something like this, but you can also be pretty small. A heritage mounts are another intentional way to show that I recognize. Um, all the, the diversity that we have in our world, but also in our school or in our classroom, and even if it feels like everyone is not there, you can then um, that's an, a great learning opportunity. So it is important to be exposed throughout your life to uh, diversity, as I said, we in in positive ways because you know people are people. We all have good <laughs> traits and bad traits. So to not kind of associate one. Um, like specific traits of certain groups are things that you learn through exposure and through time Heritage Months are a great way to do that. So you could be, um, some ideas is having a guest speaker from that particular culture come in you can decorate a bulletin board if you don't have um, much time to dedicate for like a, a performance or anything like that. So you can have students decorate. I've done things where we've done a project in class and then I simply post their work on the bulletin board. Uh, I have parents one time come in uh, and they decorated. So that was my opportunity to have parents come in and be involved and help because um, some parents really do want an opportunity to be involved. Um, People have done potlucks. Some schools are not for bringing in outside food, but whatever your school is open to, you can. And I've done performances because I was a theater teacher um, when I was in the classroom. I was also an English writing teacher. But when I taught theater, um, the students were able to write their own work surrounding a particular um, culture. We've done Hispanic Heritage Month. We've done Women's History and we've done Black History. And then they got to perform and use their voice that way based on different themes that we came up with. So that was like a lot of work and time. I've done PA announcements um, when I couldn't uh, have that, when I didn't have that much time. Hispanic Heritage Month comes right away, September 15th to October 15th. And usually, at least I've learned my first year of teaching that if you're not ready, it can go away. <laughs> you you didn't really do anything, so I kind of had to um, dive in and, and see who wanted to be involved right away because it's just one easy to mess with the beginning of the school year and everything else that we have on our plates. But it's valuable, and if we see, it just gives you an opportunity to um, touch on a little bit of everybody. There's Hispanic Heritage Month. There's Women's uh, History Month. There's you know Asian Pacific. There's so many that you could focus on and include Native Americans as well. So much that we could do um, to show all the contributions that we've we've had um, that brought us to today. And it's so many people.
0: <laughs> so, so
1: it's just a, a fun way to, to include that.
0: Yeah, and a great just opportunity. Um, all of this, right, as educators, we're, we're trying to educate students on a whole bunch of different things. So especially if you teach a subject that lends yourself to that, maybe you can spend more, even more time or, um, Yeah, those are such great suggestions. That's awesome. Um, So we've talked about, let's kind of review here. We've talked about diversifying classroom uh, libraries, diversifying the signs in your, or posters in your classroom, choosing diverse books for read-alouds or assigned readings, celebrating heritage months. Um, Next, Tara, next thing on your list was reflecting diversity during performances. Can you share a bit about that?
1: Yeah, if you're um, a teacher who is in charge of assemblies, or if you are uh, an arts teacher uh, like myself, and you're choosing, if you're a music teacher, for example, and you're choosing uh, specific music, or if you're a theater teacher, you're um, casting shows. An easy way, of course, is to look for different. I shouldn't say, of course, but one uh, easy way is to look for different plays. But another thing that we can do is think about: Are we going to um, choose to do blind casting, for example. So if we find that, that oh, you know, we may not have the capacity to, um, or we may, for whatever reason, we, we don't choose um, a specific play that will include everybody, maybe it's because of the population we have, then can we just have students Perform any role, um, and, and then we can do that for gender as well. So, I remember being in high school and playing Hamlet, and that was an important experience for me. And the fact that the directors thought to like they recognized that I would be able to play Hamlet versus did I look like a Hamlet? Nothing about me resembles what we know about Hamlet, but to give me the opportunity. So, it's either choosing work that on their own represents different um, cultures and experiences or choosing to allow students to kind of cross those roles and explore um, other people's experience. And that to me is the fun of, of theater or art in general, is that you learn and you can kind of feel a part
0: of someone else's experience. Right. That makes so much sense. Yeah. So what you're saying is allow students to uh, play any role regardless of, you know, the race of the character. Am I understanding that right? I'm not a theater teacher. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I think that's what blind casting means. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> blind you know, all of that. And yes. also, you can have performers come in too if you mm. feel that someone else could um, showcase something um, that you may not feel that you have time for or capability to, to do. Um, there are lots of people um, out in the community who do strong artwork that you can bring in.
0: Awesome. And what I'm hearing here is just a lot of about intentionality, right? Just paying attention, um, just making a concerted effort to think about these things when you're making yeah. decisions, right? Yeah. All right. The next thing you had was relationships. This is huge. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah. When I think about the school experience and I kind of touched on this earlier, sometimes we I mean, the kids are this is their Uh, first experience with society. They are going out into the world of whatever they come with, with their families or that they learned on their own. They have to navigate. And this is a great beginning experience for that. And uh, relationships, when we're, as teachers, we're navigating it anyway. Um, So we're kind of helping them give each other the benefit of the doubt. And hopefully it bleeds on when they become Adult. So what I mean by that, and I'm thinking a lot to be quite honest of things that have happened recently in our society, and it could be because we're, we're um, not really thinking about um, other people and the way that we're giving people the benefit of, of the doubt, maybe, I'm not really sure, and I don't want to dive into what kind of happens sometimes there, but I'll give an example of being um quick to assume uh, or to take offense. For example, sometimes um, as adults, we do that, but kids can definitely do that. Oh, he took my pencil or she did this and she did that. And what we want to try and help with is the idea of not only um, assuming the best, but also talking to the person. Maybe they really did something that was offensive. So being okay with on their own saying, I I felt frustrated when you took my pencil without asking. Can you ask me next time if you need one, uh, and I can let you know whether or not I have an extra? That might be a mouthful for a young person, but just saying, please um, don't take my pencil without asking, or please ask me first. It's very helpful versus um, Mrs. You know, Miguel, Mrs. Cardenas. You know, every time we feel. offended. So So we want to kind of help our students build these relationships with each other so that they're supportive of each other, but also, you know, they speak up, but in an effective way. The reason why I'm relating that to society is because so many times that things that have happened is giving people the benefit of the doubt you had hoped when, you know, uh, issues that have come up in the news that they had asked the person first before, you know, maybe calling the police or something like that. You just want to be Um, more in tune to each other and um, kind of take care of each other in that way without um, thinking that, you know, it's either good or bad. We all have good or bad. So it's how do we navigate when those things come up?
0: Right. You're like, you're teaching students to move towards each other rather than to just get upset with each other and throw up walls, right? To work through it. And yeah, that makes so much sense. Anything else underneath this topic of relationships? I know there's a ton, but... (laughs)
1: It's just um what we're hoping for is more of a sense of community. and um, and that's just important in in life in general. And we hope as we you know we get older and we're meeting people that are even different from our school experiences, that we're seeking to learn from each other, and we're sharing a little bit of who we are. I had a math teacher in high school told me, think of myself as a citizen of the world, not just a citizen of where I live. And that really stuck with me because if I think of myself as a citizen of the world, then I'm a kind of a part of I, everything. It's important. I'm a kind of a part of every community in a way, because we're all here in this world together. So um, I think that's just something that we hope, our students may not pick that up naturally, especially with everything that's around us. So um, we have control of that in the classroom and we can say, hey, here, we do this this way, or, you know, remember what we said. Another thing too, is if we hear students who are saying things that are not positive and are damaging relationships, or if we're talking about diversity, they're saying something that's disrespectful to another race or culture, we want to stop it right away. Um, and we don't have to do a speech there because that student might feel really, you know, even worse. they might feel a lot worse or, you know, put her on the spot. Um, So that might not be the best time to go on about race and inclusion, but you could just stop it and tell them it was inappropriate. But you may want to circle back um, to that at a different time uh, where we know, okay, this is a learning moment that has to happen. Uh, And make sure that we kind of weave weave it in in a way that would be positive and that the student, I mean, honestly, if we have a speech, we might be well-intentioned, but the student might remember that as not so positive um, and feeling even more kind of um, singled out.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. To um, I'm learning that even in a lot of situations. Sometimes the heart to heart conversation is better later <laughs> when there's been some time and space and you can circle back and, and share it later. And, and yeah, we don't know what our students have absorbed from other places. And so, um, yeah, intentionally counteracting that. That's really great. All right, you had two other things for us to talk about. The next one was dress code.
1: Dress code is, you know, every school, of course, will have a different dress code. And um, it's just, this one is kind of, um, it's not always is seen as a, a huge issue. I think if you have standard things that everyone can um, abide by, then that's fine. But we were thinking about Things like hair, for example, or uh, things that are culturally different. So uh, hopefully if schools are having things where you can't have your head wrapped or tied up, that those who, if it's within their culture, hopefully the schools are, you know, accepting of that. But there are other things that, and I can speak for um for, for example, we're talking about diversity of everyone, but for hair, for example, it's a, a thing with minority students is, you know, sometimes um, cornrows, for example, or braids or dreadlocks might be a way that that family is choosing to manage um, or style that hair. And it's not always, uh, a lot of people may look at hair as like, oh, that's just a choice. But the thing to be um, cognizant of is that for african-american students the hair really grows in its natural state for most students everyone has different texture um, to really kind of grow out sort of like what we see when we see an Afro. pro so sometimes maybe even a ponytail might be difficult to manage so when you have something like a dress code be very careful about if hair is a thing or if it's a teacher, um, it's a concern like within a class or for whatever case it may be, if you teach PE or you know theater or performance to be very um just aware that some things may not be choice. It could be choice of styling, but it might be for a reason for whatever a particular culture. Um, so or, yeah, yeah, just so just being very careful that dress code is not impeding on um, a student's ability to actually fully abide by it.
0: If you think if you find yourself in a situation where you're kind of wondering if there's this, you know, like I thought that was a great example, theater where, you, you know, you have like a unique situation. Would you recommend like talking to that student or parent, like just asking them about it? Or is that kind of is that not a good idea?
1: I would, I mean, I think that it would probably be an uncomfortable situation in general, but I would recommend um, first kind of internally kind of asking whether or not the change is necessary.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: find that it is necessary to ask the student or to explain why that is, but to ask the student if that would be um, something that they're able to do. And they could tell you whether or not, or the parent. depending on the age of the student, whether or not it is. However, that may or may not be, to be quite honest. Um, I would assume that if the student is wearing it, um, that it might be something that they have to, or, you know, that, fits them. But if there is something, so say, for example, everybody decided that they would wear a ponytail. Is it really that bad if one student instead in their performance or whatever the case may be, is wearing their hair braided back? That might be the best way to get the hair back for that particular student. But if it's absolutely necessary, you could definitely explain why and then talk to the student. They may or may not, though, feel comfortable um, letting you know <laughs> whether or not they can and why. It's one of those things that's not often shared. Like it's understood, like care is understood within the you know black community, but not everybody feels comfortable talking about it. Um, if they feel like the, the other person might be judge, judging, or may not understand, or they just may be surprised at the fact that they have to explain it. Um, so I can't, there's no guarantee on the way that conversation would go, so it's just important as an educator to see whether or not it's important, or as an administrator, when we're having a dress code, is it necessary?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, so being aware of it when you're making policy, but also if you see, it's, if I'm under, if I'm hearing you right, it's like if you see something that's maybe not perfectly in dress code, but you can see, like, the the intent is there, or like, yeah, like, I think you know, cheerleaders might try to wear their hair back. If, if a student comes in and their hair is like, yeah, it's in the general idea, but it's different. Like you just say, yes, that's fine. You don't make a big deal about it. You just, yeah, you just continue on. Is that kind of Yeah,
1: it's like understanding some things might be different. um, And and knowing and just being aware of that first. So you might have to address it. But being just kind of being more aware of that first. And as I was saying earlier, it could be more, it could be a religious thing, or or it doesn't always have to be hairstyles. But um, before it's addressed, um think about whether or not it's important to address it and then if it is you can but at least you're going in kind of with an open mind and 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 maybe make the student feel comfortable if you can saying I just want to understand this I just want to make sure you understand are you you know and then have the student kind of vouch for or the parent whether or not they can meet the requirement hopefully we can be understanding and flexible
0: that's really helpful. I mean, dress code is dicey. Every teacher loves dealing with dress code anyhow, right? If you have it at your school, I mean, it's already dicey. So, is it really helpful to be aware of that dynamic and to be considering that um, in all those interactions and decisions? All right. And then the last thing, this has been so great. Um, the last thing you had was curriculum. Let's finish up with that.
1: I, um, so. There, I, and we talked about uh, one saying that kind of happens sometimes, at least I've heard it um, when I was kind of growing up, uh, or at least when I got to college, um, some of my um, classmates and then later on coworkers would say, I didn't learn that in school. And it could be like a historical <laughs> event. And then, you know, so all schools are different. All schools have a different capacity. And I found some of it surprising because um, it just, you know, it's, I you know, I'm not, I have no idea what I missed, right? You don't know what you don't know, but I consider myself having a pretty well-rounded background as far as, you know, American history is concerned and was a little disheartened by so many people who um, felt like they... We're learning new things outside of school for the very first time as adults. So I do know that textbooks and curriculum won't give us time to cover everything. But within our scope, if we notice that things are missing or other perspectives are missing, other cultures are missing, because other cultures... Um, have been around for a very, very long time. So if we're only looking through one lens, then it's more likely that we're missing certain perspectives inside of the story. And It would be nice if we can mention those things or include it, the more in that we can be, the better. But I know as teachers, we don't always have time. So just acknowledging or going a little bit more beyond the textbook will be so helpful for students. But also, again, paint this picture that, you know, our country is really, it's, it's been diverse and, you know, from its, you know, beginning and it will continue to be. So really having the full scope of every experience that's been here through time will really help um, kind of bridge the gaps that we're seeing. And that's the hope, right, is that these students, they're going to be leaders in, in any sort of way, even if they're just living by example, no matter what they do. Um, so we want them to kind of appreciate Not only who they are, but who other people are and kind of um, kind of make decisions in life in that way, being very inclusive and and welcoming to to everyone that's here and looking at that humanity.
0: Wow, you have given us so many ideas. Thank you so much for sharing this with us. I found it really helpful and I hope I know. With just everything going on in the world, sometimes we—we all of us have been bombarded with a lot. We've been thinking about a lot, and just giving these are such practical things that you can do this week, next month, in your classroom, online, in person, uh, whatever you're facing, um, to just help students, you know, start to understand that it really is amazing as teachers that you know we we can make such a difference. You know, we can make a difference in w- one life, and we can make a difference in our society, and it's just such a Blessing that God has given us this opportunity so true. Uh, Do you have anything else to um, share or encourage teachers with as we finish up?
1: Well, thank you uh, for having this discussion and for um, the, Yeah, I, I will echo what you said is that we have a great role as teachers and um The students are really, they are influenced by what we say in our classroom. And even if um, they may not take everything that we say, something will stick with them. And if it's not us, it will be, you know, so many of us together in this. So through time, if all of us are making that effort, then along the way, they're just being, um, they will become more well-rounded. And that's the hope. Um, That's my hope for the classroom and for beyond uh, in our society is that we're, Embracing everyone indifferent is not bad. It's it's actually enhancing our culture our community and um, Being that citizen of the world is, is really important and enhances that idea, too
0: Well, thank you so much Taryn. We really appreciate this and um, if you guys have any questions, well you can continue the conversation in the comments. All these notes will be at teachfortheheart dot com slash one five two. And our Facebook group is another great spot to pop over and to talk about it um, with all of us. So thank you so much, Taryn. Thank you. You. <laughs> I hope you guys found this episode helpful. I really enjoyed talking these things out with Taryn. Just so many great ideas to get our minds thinking in the right direction. Once again, if you'd like the notes or if you want to share this episode, you can share them, send them to the Teach for the Heart podcast. But you can also head to teachfortheheart.com slash 152. Teachfortheheart.com slash 152. I'd also love to invite you guys, if you haven't signed up yet, make sure you sign up for the Rise Up Summit, our online conference for Christian educators. This is going to be a time of encouragement, inspiration, ideas, you will absolutely not want to miss it. So head up, head to riseupchristianeducators.com to sign up. It's completely free to attend October 22nd through 27th. So riseupchristianeducators.com. Well, thank you guys again so much. I look forward to speaking with you again soon. In the meantime, keep growing, keep trusting. You really are making a difference.